Greetings and welcome to episode number 11 of the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast. As always, I am your host, Chris Hales, and I'm very glad to have you joining me today on this real crisp October afternoon. It's my absolute favorite time of year, um, for several reasons, but uh, one just being the weather, although you know, I'm not, it's, it's a little cold for October today. I'm glad I at least got in one last good round of disc golf, because I don't know if I'm going to get any more for a while. Um, it's getting cold early this year. But uh, I'm very glad to be with you today. I took the day off work. I've got to use some time off and have a chance to finally <clears throat> record the previously promised Halloween episode. Are you scared? Don't worry. We'll walk through this together. You might hear some life happening in the background. Uh, they really... It's impossible for me to get a quiet house anymore. There's just no time where nobody's home. Um, so, you know, if you hear life happening in the background, well, I've just come to accept that that's how it is, and uh, hopefully it won't um, infiltrate too much into the microphone. Yeah, I'm also trying a new microphone cable. This one I've been using for like 20 years finally crapped out on me, and I just I had this other one hanging there that I'd never opened, and it, uh, you know, it's still uh, banded together, and it says value microphone. Somebody gave me this. Hopefully it works good. Seems to be working at the moment. Uh, but that always... That makes me a little nervous. Value microphone cable. Alright. I've got a fresh pitcher of iced tea. I just poured myself a glass. I am ready to go. I'm excited about this episode. I wonder if I could get Pure Leaf or Lipton or somebody to sponsor me. Be like, hey, I have a, a podcast with with like dozens of listeners and um, it's a guitar podcast but I, I talk about iced tea a lot I think they'd sponsor me I don't know that'd be nice oh my gosh okay you know what I just discovered there's a I'm cutting it out but there, there's been a break here in the podcast so it wasn't my microphone cable I got this new phone and it was like it was messing with the microphone. So, I, that was the problem. I can go back to my 20-year-old cable. Um, okay, but now the phone's off, so that won't be a problem. Anyway, yeah, I wonder if I could get an iced tea company to sponsor me. Why am I so obsessed with iced tea? Um, well, the easiest answer would be I'm obsessed with everything. <laughs> I'm somebody who doesn't I, I don't dabble with things um, if you could sum up uh, my life in one sentence it would be not even a sentence just a phrase addicted to everything that would describe me perfectly and I probably drink way too much iced tea and too much coffee but you know I don't know uh, no cigarettes anymore um, I just I find myself just uh, very habitual and if there's something I like, I like a lot of it. It's actually, it's very helpful for playing guitar because I'm also addicted to playing guitar. I seriously can't stop. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, uh, I don't drink alcohol, not because I don't like alcohol. It's, it's quite the opposite, actually. I, uh, I like it too much. And so um, I just stick to iced tea. 
And so, you know, I'm going to have an iced tea. You have yourself whatever makes you happy. And let's enjoy this together. But I wonder if I could get a an iced tea sponsorship. I don't know. I, uh, I don't smoke cigarettes either anymore, but uh, another former habit um, that's kind of gone away. You know, it's like, uh, so I haven't smoked cigarettes in over, uh, it's been 12 years since I quit smoking. It's been over 12 years. Um, but I, I still really like the smell of cigarettes. Like I like if, if a group of people are standing outside smoking, I, I'll just go talk to them. <laughs> but you know, I don't like the smell of it, uh, like on on your clothes and stuff. But yeah, I just like the smell of a burning cigarette. But nowadays, everybody vapes, and the vapes smell disgusting. I hate it, and so I'm upset. I I know you're all trying to be healthier, but man, those vapes stink. It's terrible. Somebody once uh, was in my house, and they just they just started vaping, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And they're like, "Oh, sorry." Get out of here with that! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't like the vaping. Um, <laughs> anyway, back, back to the show. Okay, so here we are in October. I told you earlier this year I was going to do a Halloween episode. Um, it's my absolute favorite time of the year. I, I just like the the weather. I like the the look in Utah, we have beautiful falls, uh, beautiful falls, is what I'm trying to say, um, and you know me, I like scary things, I've always, I've, I've liked creepy things ever since I was a little kid, uh, it's just a fascination that I, I do not remember acquiring, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was born with it, and so I've always, um, naturally been, drawn to horror movies um i've seen quite a few i i tend to like um horror movies from the 70s and 80s the most there's you know there's there's some real good ones um from the other decades but uh the the bulk of them for me come from that time you know i i think um i think the best slasher movie is halloween um i think that's one of the best horror movies ever made but i but as a as a series of movies, I like the Friday the Thirteenth better, um, even though it's kind of a ripoff. Um, I think the Friday the Thirteenth uh, are much better, and they they I mean there's there's a there's a point when each series falls off a cliff and the movies just get terrible. But that you know there's like the first two Halloweens are really good, um, and then three is just kind of something different that has nothing to do with the first two, and then. After that, they're they're pretty bad. But I did I really liked the uh, most recent one, that where they kind of scrapped all the sequels and just started over. Um, yeah, with with Friday the Thirteenth, I think you know you've got a nice solid first four movies, and then you've got you know uh, like Freddy versus Jason. I think is is really good. Um, I think. Uh, the best horror movie, actually, really, my favorite movie of all time is John Carpenter's The Th- The Thing. Jeez, I can't talk today. John Carpenter's The Thing, the one with Kurt Russell. Um, oh my gosh, that movie is so good. Um, 
if I was to recommend one horror movie, you know, that's that's it. Um, if you can handle horror, uh, I think that's the best one. I've I've already made all my kids watch it, um, and they'll they'll live. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know what a really good one is. Uh, if you're not sure about it, but uh, you want to watch a scary movie, but you know you don't know where to start, but you're listening to this podcast, I recommend a movie called The Changeling. It's not that movie with Angelina Jolie that came out whenever, I don't know, like 10 years ago or something. It's nothing to do with that. It's from like 1980. I can't remember the guy who did it, but it's it's about a composer living in a haunted house. Does that not intrigue you? It's really good. And there's a, uh, there's a, an old, um, 70s movie called Suspiria, um, that's like at a, it's, it takes place at this ballet school, I think in Germany, I can't remember for sure, um, Suspiria's pretty cool, it's got some cool music, um, and there was a remake made of that, I really liked the remake, I think it is one of the best remakes, well, I mean, it's not John Carpenter's The Thing, I guess that's the best remake, but I think most remakes are, are stupid, and that's kind of like all that they're doing these days. It's like they, they've run out of ideas, and they keep remaking good movies crappy. Um, I really liked the remake of Suspiria, because they, they really took the idea, and they kept like the, all the kind of iconic things from the first movie, but, but did something different. Um, that movie's a little intense. Uh, it's pretty. It's a pretty hard R, so, you know, if, you, if it's... Proceed with caution if you're if you're gonna take a look at that. I'm I'm not I'm not here to advertise movies. I'm just talking about I'm just talking about things I like. I guess I bring this up though because uh, a lot of horror movies they have some pretty cool music um, that's jarring, creepy. A lot of them don't, but uh, I love the idea. And I, I've actually written some like horror music, but horror and classical guitar really don't. I, I haven't been able to find a a scary sounding classical guitar. You know what I mean? Like you get a, a tinkly out of tune piano, it's just automatically creepy. You know, in a big house. But guitars just aren't that scary. I guess uh like if you you know record into like a tape recorder with lots of hiss and stuff and just make it sound old and you know play play some kind of slow waltz or something that could be a little creepy but it's it's just not an instrument that lends itself to being scary i don't think so anyway i wanted to write uh, more horror music but these days i really only compose for guitar um i've just kind of i i used to compose like for all kinds of things i i liked to just practice and try to get more familiar with and better at composing for like you know i've done a lot of orchestral stuff and like little like wind combos but anymore, I, I just would rather compose guitar pieces. So, um, I, I mentioned, I think, in a previous episode that I, I had to go to Prague for work this year. And uh, while I was there, um, just kind of with the historical buildings and the, the historical significance to classical music there, uh, I got really inspired to start composing again because I, I really hadn't for a while um, and so like on the on the plane on the way home I actually started just trying to 
work out some ideas in my head. I, I can, I mean, it's not like I can sit and compose in my head. I'm not going to pretend like I'm like that, but I can, I can kind of get ideas going and, and sometimes like map out a piece, you know, and then go home and then get on the guitar and really try to flesh out that idea. And so I, I started doing that on the plane. Um, and I was, I was going to write a guitar concerto and I started it when I got home. Um, I've thought about writing a guitar concerto like for years, right? I, we probably all have. Uh, and I actually came home, started working on it vigorously for a while. Um, and in, uh, I think it was like July, maybe it was June. I, I was, uh, my family and I, we went down to Arches National Park and we were hiking and I got this idea into my head about doing, um, that creepy music I've been wanting to do on guitar, you know, uh, and I was like, maybe there's a way. And so I just started working out this idea in my head when we were hiking and we, we came home and I immediately started working on it and felt like I really had something going. And so I made a goal to finish it and have it recorded by October so that I could do a Halloween-themed podcast. And so here we are. I'm uh, very excited to share it with you, and I'm also ready to move on. I, I, like when I, I don't, I'm wondering if you, if you guys are like this. Um, when I'm composing, it's all I do. I stop practicing like the pieces I'm working on. Um, it just kind of takes over my guitar life for a while, and so ever since June or July or whenever that was, like this, this new, uh, it's a suite. The suite has been my life. You know, I, I had to get it composed and I had to get it into my fingers and then recorded. Um, and so I'm, I'm really excited to share it with you, but I'm also, I'm excited to just, I, I've got some pieces I want to work on. So I want to take on some new pieces, move on from that stinking etude number two at Villalobos, um, and work on a new one. You know, I, I'm ready to just move on. So I am very excited to share this piece with you. So let me tell you about this piece and play it for you. Okay, so this is um, my second guitar suite, the first being the American Suite. This one is very different. So the American Suite is more in the vein of like the Villalobos uh, Brazilian Suite in that it's kind of really like there's no unifying key. Um, in fact, the American Suite was going to be um, just a set of preludes was my original idea, just individual pieces. The reason I ended up kind of making it a suite was because I, there was some connecting themes, and, and if you're familiar with it, you know, the last movement ends up having a reprise of part of the first movement. You know, it, it there's a lot, I, I started to try to use some connecting ideas. It just sort of developed into a suite. And it's more of a suite in that sense, you know. Um, it, it's closer to something like the Via Lobos uh, Brazilian suite rather than like a box suite, you know, which is like a series of dance movements. And it's anyway, this suite is more in the vein of a box suite. Um, you know, it, it it starts with a prelude. It has an allemande, you know, a gavotte, and so on. And I have um, subtitled this the Graveyard Suite. So. In line with my um, fascination with things that are creepy, ever since I was a little kid, uh, 
I've always been drawn to the cemetery. Um, my grandparents lived across the street from the local cemetery where I grew up, and we would just go play over there. Like, my cousin and I would, we, we'd go to grandma's house, but then we would, we'd be in the cemetery. I just find them to be very peaceful, serene places. I think they're, they're gorgeous. Um, I just enjoy being in cemeteries, and I love seeing all the different cemeteries. So, and my wife is the same way. So, like, when we travel, we, we always check out the local cemeteries. Uh, and so I, I've got a lot of cemeteries that are my favorites. Um, my favorite cemetery I've ever been to would be Rose Hill Cemetery in Macon, Georgia. I went there, um, it was in 2007. Uh, I went to go see Dwayne Allman's grave. And man, that cemetery is just amazing. But this suite uh, focuses on cemeteries that are around my, my home state of Utah. So each movement is kind of representing a certain place, you know, some of my favorite headstones and so forth. I'm going to describe each one and then play it to you one at a time. So I'm going to press pause. I'm going to refill this glass of iced tea. And then I suggest you do so as well. And then let's take a walk through the cemetery together. Oh, by the way, I called it the graveyard suite. Uh, even though these places aren't graveyards, they're cemeteries. But you know what? The cemetery suite just doesn't sound cool. So I called it a graveyard suite. <laughs> so please don't email me uh, telling me the difference between a graveyard and a cemetery. Get out of here with that. Oh, and the sheet music for this suite is for sale. So. If you come out of the other side alive, and you enjoyed the piece, and would like to play it yourself, and you would like to support the podcast, uh, go to www.classicalguitarcomposers.com, click on the sheet music link, and it will take you to uh, where you can purchase my sheet music. I don't know if it's going to be there right away, so it, it, I just published it. It takes like one to two days to go up, so if it isn't there yet, just go ahead and click again. But I... I put this at a low price, a very affordable $5, and you can support the podcast this way and get a little something in return. And uh, the American Suite is also there for sale. All right, let's get our iced teas, uh, grab a flashlight, and uh, maybe a, a warm jacket or even a blanket, and let's meet right back here at the gates, and we are going to go on a little walk together through the cemetery. All right, here we are. Now, every journey through the cemetery should begin at the gates. So that is where we are, standing at the cemetery gates. And approaching these gates, we hear a haunting little melody as the prelude begins. And we step up to the gate as we walk through into the cemetery. We begin to hear that melody coming from a few different voices as if the ghosts have joined in fugue to welcome us or warn us of what lies ahead. Thank you. 
Now inside the graveyard, our first stop will be at a monument. This monument is found in the Provo City Cemetery in Provo, Utah. And I think this is one of the most beautiful little pieces of writing I've ever heard. This monument is there to mark the memory of the individuals who died while patients at the Utah State Hospital between 1885 and 1960. And on the back of this monument are written these words. In honor of the forgotten men, women, and children whose courageous and lonely battle with mental illness was never recognized in life. Their struggles came in an era when hope for recovery was never spoken. Death undoubtedly brought them freedom from their mortal pain. So be it our duty to remedy the tragedy of their forgotten lives and remember them as individuals pursuing their dreams while seeking a life of happiness and joy amidst the darkness of their trials. That we never repeat the past, their voices would admonish us to acknowledge those with mental illness today and bring a message of hope, peace, and acceptance. I don't know who wrote that, but it's absolutely wonderful. And then behind that are three or four stones. I don't remember how many, but they have the names of all these people. And there was one name the first time I saw this that stood out to me. And this isn't a person I know or anything like that. It just stood out to me. And the name was Edward Cooper. This Alamond is for Edward Cooper. stop takes place at the Ogden City Cemetery in Ogden, Utah. If you go to the northwest corner of the cemetery, one of the most heartbreaking and yet beautiful monuments 
is there. Some people might find it revolting. Some might find it chilling and creepy. Some might find it sad. Some might find it beautiful. Maybe it's all these things. I just noticed there was a statue while I was there, and I wanted to go see what it was. And laying on top of a stone is carved a, a sleeping child. And on that stone it says, Babyland. Of such is the kingdom of heaven. And then you look around this monument, and it is surrounded by countless stones, all belonging to infants. This waltz is called Babyland. As a kid, when I would be running around the cemetery, I had a lot of stones that I loved, but the ones that I was most drawn to were the big, tall monoliths staggered throughout the graveyard. They looked like giant chess pieces waiting to see the next move of their opponent. They stand tall like guardians of the graveyard, and at night they pose an ominous presence for anyone who dares enter. This gavat is titled The Monoliths. Thank you. 
Our next stop at the graveyard is represented by a Lare movement. In my hometown of Spanish Fork, Utah, the Spanish Fork Cemetery holds a very famous grave, amongst the locals anyway. It's known amongst the locals as the Weeping Widow. Although this grave was actually not made for a widow, it is a beautiful statue of a woman weeping. And the legend has it that if you walk around her grave three times at night, you'll be able to hear her weeping. The cemetery is forbidden at night, so this can be best tried at the twilight, just before dark. I did this many times as a kid, but I will not tell you if I did or did not hear the weeping.
Our final stop in our graveyard suite is represented by a finale, rather than the traditional jig. Because this headstone cannot be represented by a dance. In the Salt Lake City Cemetery, there lies one of my personal favorite gravestones that I have ever seen. I've visited it many times. It's fascinating. It's sad. It's frightening. And it's just bizarre. And it just makes you wonder why. But in the Salt Lake City Cemetery, there's a very unimposing small headstone. It looks a lot like many of the other stones. It's a reddish marble. It's one that lies flat on its back. And it belongs to a woman named Lily E. Gray. Nothing strange so far. What makes this grave strange is the inscription below her name. It's drawn speculation. It's drawn curious teenagers into the cemetery at night. It's drawn people with more sinister intentions and those who just plain have to see it because everyone who knows about it has to see it for themselves. The inscription reads, Lily E. Gray, Victim of the Beast, 666. This finale conveys the many emotions that come to me when I see this stone. Fear, awe, sadness, fascination, it's all here. Go ahead and take a look. And if you survive your encounter, meet me back at the gate. I'll be waiting.
And there it is, suite number two in E minor, the graveyard suite by yours truly. Thank you for indulging me. I hope you enjoyed this Halloween episode. I tried to have some fun with it, but in all seriousness, I love cemeteries. I love these places, and it was a lot of fun to write a suite dedicated to them. Um, and I may do it again sometime with, with different monuments. Anyway. Um, that Lily E. Gray grave, that, that is a real thing. Um, it, I've, I have been to it many times. And there is um, a recent, I think it was written in October of 2018, so like a year ago, an article, uh, I don't remember who the author is, but I'm sure you can find it on the internet. Um, they did some pretty extensive research on that grave and kind of uncovered the story there. And uh it's it's neat to know what really happened, but I've always enjoyed the the fun of wondering. Um, anyway, the Salt Lake City Cemetery is, uh, I believe, the biggest like city-run cemetery in the United States. If you ever get a chance and you're here, go see it. If you like cemeteries, if you don't like cemeteries, don't go there. That's a pretty scary place. Thank you for joining me, as always, and. Remember that the Classical Guitar Composers Podcast is a podcast for you where we can hear your music. All you have to do is send an MP3 recording of your music for classical guitar to chris at classicalguitarcomposers.com. Send it to me, and the next episode will be all yours, and you can take us on whatever journey you have created. Until then, my friends, I say goodbye. I hope you're able to sleep tonight. And I will see you next time. Until then, keep on plucking.